Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today is the 3rd of September. It is Thursday, Dream Theme Thursday. There's a lot going on in our world. And we're going to talk about it one day, but we're not going to talk about it today. There's so much going on in my ideas and my feelings and all of that. It's like starts to bleed outside of my lane. But at the same time, it's worth talking about. So we will get there. But for today... I have quite a few dreams. Let's see if we can get through them all. And I'm just going, there's two of them that were actually on the page, so they're not anonymous, and the other two are. So let's go for it right now. In this dream, I was texting with the person I like. He texted me that he was thinking about me. Then I replied something. The dream didn't show what. I just remembered dots in the chat, and then he didn't reply. That's the dream. Thank you, as always. When you have a dream that somebody didn't reply and you don't even remember what you replied, it's not about the back and forth. What it is about is the fear that somebody will not reply if you tell them how you feel. Part of it is that you're always hedging and being very pleasing, very, I want you to like me. So you show them only what you think they will like. And you're so scared of showing who you are that if you show who you are, they will not continue to respond to you. That's a super important component in any of our lives. A lot of us, when we are meeting someone, we tend to chameleonize. We relate to what they say. We want to be what they want. But the bigger question here is not just what someone else may want from you or of you. You need to ask yourself, and this is a big question, great dream for this to come out, is to literally sit down. And if you are hearing this now, because I think you're about 10 hours ahead of where I am at, and write the characteristics of what would work well with your personality. Because we cannot find a person, and a person doesn't just find us arbitrarily. 
once we know, I mean, that's like in the storybooks where you run into someone and you fall in love and that's it. And you don't see anything else. You have to know what works best in your life. Like, let's give you an example. Maybe you don't like confrontation. So you have to be with somebody who has a lot of compassion so that they can see that you don't like confrontation. Some people are just like a get-over-it type of personality and others want to explain everything to ad nauseum and talk for days and not solve anything. But there's that middle ground of, hey, I get this, let's talk about it so that you can feel better and then let's go on. The part of you that doesn't want to show who you really are, what you really like. Maybe you haven't even thought about it. Maybe your whole job is thinking about being good-looking enough or being compliant enough or meeting someone and you say, oh, I could, I could handle that behavior. But it shouldn't be that giving up of yourself to be with someone else. And worrying about if you were to say who you are, that all you're going to get is dots back in a chat. And those dots that say someone is typing, but nobody's actually sending you anything. And then they don't reply. You have to be able to put yourself out there so that someone else can put themselves out there. But if you just meet people and you want to be a chameleon for them and you want them to love you or like you and you f- you'll figure out the rest once you get them, that's a huge short change to yourself because one day you're going to wake up once they are familiar to you and the mystery of them is no longer a mystery and you go, wow, I, I did all that and this guy's just a normal guy. Well, he was always a normal guy. People on pedestals because we want something back from them, a commitment, a sign that they like us, a sign that we did this right. That's not love. And I'm not talking about love between you and the other person. That's not love of yourself. Think about that because we are all worth love. We are worth love without having to prove we are good enough to be loved. You are already good enough to be loved. Being yourself and being loved for being yourself is one of the most rewarding feelings in life because then you are somewhere where you don't have to always be ready. Your makeup doesn't always have to be on. Your hair doesn't always have to be done. You could wake up in the morning and be just as valued as you are in the height of your day, as you are at the end of your day, as you are a month from now, as you will be a year from now. It's not Groundhog Day where you wake up every day and there's a decision of whether or not to love you. Being loved isn't that. Love has a patience that you can't even begin to imagine. When you give up how ego, and we just did that show about how ego works and why it's there, tries to separate us from ourselves and sell us an image that is 
not even real, and yet we try to live up to that image. Loving you allows you to be loved because you will recognize that love when it comes to you. One thing I have learned from women, and probably I was one of them when I was younger, most likely because I remember bits and pieces of behaving that way, feeling that to get ready for people. We have to get ready to see so-and-so. We have to get ready to... And if you're not doing it for yourself as well, seeing people over time becomes a huge burden because now you have to step out of your comfort zone every time. Some of us, a lot of women, love getting ready, love the process, love taking care of themselves because it actually relaxes them to believe that they can, that we can take care of ourselves. But if we can't be seen otherwise, now that becomes hard because let's say someone calls you and says, I'm coming right over and you have to scramble and try to put your your face on, your mask on, your world on every time. That's exhausting. So the biggest message you have here is don't be scared to be who you are because that will be the filter of who belongs in your life and who does not. You have to be able to take a deep breath and say, I'm just as great with my hair in a ponytail, no makeup, and my sweats on as I am when I'm dressed up for a red carpet event. I should be okay in both places. And your dream is just one step closer to seeing that and thinking that and being that. So I hope that helps. I have another dream. Good morning, Nadia. Quick anonymous dream. I dreamt I was writing a book, but only became aware of it when someone started reading it to me. Then someone there was, then somehow there was music between each chapter. And I realized I was writing a book for the soul. It felt my soul so clearly. When you have an aspiration to do something, And it's time to start because a lot of times you will say, I want to write a book in two weeks, which this is an anonymous dream, which this person said to me. In two weeks, I'll be done with my book. And I thought, there's not going to be a book. There's no way to write a book in two weeks. I've written books. Two weeks is trying to find a printer. Just saying. Two weeks is trying to find someone to edit the book. Two weeks is writing the outline and filling that in. It's not about the finish line. It's about you discovering through this book a way to organize your thoughts well enough to be able to share them Because it's just as healing for the person writing the book as it is for the person reading the book. Whether it's factual and you've done all the research, or it's just something that you've felt and you found a way to put words on it. But it's not about the book. It's about how you become aware, which is why 
but only became aware of it when someone started reading it to me, is that nobody can do this for you and you cannot rush yourself through the process. Origins are truth. I published Little Wing in 2004. And that book took about two years to write. While I was writing that, I was also writing Origins of Truth, believe it or not, because we we censored one and then, not censored it, but didn't want to say too much because I was not comfortable yet with who I was becoming. But then it bled into, we need to actually put more behind this information. And I have more. Why am I not sharing it? So I had to grow into what I could accept sharing outside of my little world. But putting that book together and having it in a form eternalized what Christ taught me and is continuing to teach me. Everything in that book became my guideline, my guideline, excuse me, for everything that Christ taught me and said, you will learn in greater depth because the greater depth is what we talk about every day. Because books are living, breathing organisms. And when you can see it as bigger than just yourself in writing a book and creating like, wow, I did that. I know this is going to sound funny, but my agent said to me, a book is just a calling card. If you do a speaking engagement, people are going to come see you speak and figure that they've read the book, even though they may not have read the book. In my case, I would rather someone read the book than came to see me speak, if there was a choice. Because what's in that book is for our souls, not for mine alone. And that's what would happen when you write a book. So it looks like you're getting ready. You are getting ready to put yourself in order to start that process. Because I believe it was maybe a year ago or more, you said you were going to write a book in two weeks. You were going to be done like it was a race. And I'm a very patient person. But now the idea is coming back in a way that you can do this. You can start. And I say this to everybody. A book is that it's saying that, hey, I have something I want to share with the world. You can't want anything back from the book because you have no idea what will happen once you write it. But once you write it, you will definitely know where you are at in your own mind and heart. And if you can write a book that way, that's what the reader will feel. I had somebody who came to me and they wrote a book about their family. And one mother, they had 18 brothers and sisters. 18, one mom. And alcohol ran through the family like water in their veins. And there were suicides. The father died of it. She had it. There was just, it went on and on and on. And she wrote a book from her gut. And it was absolutely fascinating. 
And she didn't publish that book, but she put her family in order in her mind. She got to see how she got where she is. Well, then what happened was she started getting in her head and going back and trying to make the book better. So she started rewriting the actual book that came from that that gut, which is what we look for. And she never published that either because once you start changing things, you have to change other things and you start adding stuff and it takes away from the power of the punch. So just a month ago when I saw her, I said to her, you need to publish your book, but publish the original version because that's where your purity was. I couldn't feel the other stuff, but I felt that. You taught me what it's like to see, what is it, the alcohol factor over a life. And then another, and then another, and then another. Well, it was a pattern in the family, but it's also a pattern of how we all deal with alcohol. So just know, start with your outline. If you wrote one before, do another one. See how much you've grown in the year. See how your thoughts have developed. Start to fill in that outline. Because maybe you're you're more ready than you think you are. And you don't need to go walking around saying, I'm writing a book, because sometimes that puts pressure on you. And sometimes it works for you that you say, oh, I, I said I wrote a book, I should write one. Because I know before I wrote any book, I said I'm writing a book. And people are like, oh, yeah, well, we hear that all day long about people. But I really was writing a book somewhere. I said it for years before I did it. So now your mind is saying, hey, you know what? You're ready. You're ready. Don't rush through me because I'm too big of a piece of work for you to rush through me. Take care of me, nurture me, and tell my story. So good luck to you, and thank you for sending in your dream. So I have another dream. It says, good morning, Nadia. Please, if there's time, I had a dream last night, and this is from Maria. I was making a cup of tea for someone. I was stirring gently with the spoon. Then the milk started to curd. I wished it didn't happen, but I wasn't upset about it. Then it changed. I was amazed to see that there were rose petals with beautiful different colors moving in circles floating in the water. End of dream. Thank you always. So what do you think your dream said? I wish I could ask you. This dream is telling you that when something doesn't go right, you don't you don't get upset. You just say, oh, wow, I wish it didn't work out this way. And then it's able, the energy is able to open up for things to be as they should be. And what this dream is telling you in just one short little paragraph is that you, oh, you were pleased. Okay, I see it. She's in the chat. So, And you should be pleased because what this dream is telling you is that you have given up and given away the need to control. 
anything. Because who wants their milk to curd in their in their tea? That it, and you're like, oh wow. Instead of what the heck, I gotta spill this out, and then I gotta pour another one, and I ruined it. And people can get that mad over something like that because they're already mad. But this is totally saying, you said you were pleased and you felt acceptance. You did because when we're not controlling fear, doubt, worry, controlling guilt, we're free. Because all of those are roadblocks, right? They're, they're meant to be roadblocks. We're meant to get over them. And your dream just said, hey, Maria, guess what? That feeling of giving up control you freedom to enjoy your days and to enjoy your nights and to sleep better and to eat better and to be realistic that things can happen and you can deal with it, whatever it is. Because it's not about what happens. It's about how we deal with it, whether it's milk curdling or you broke a glass or something happened the kitchen flooded because you forgot the water on whatever it is that happens you're like i can handle this i don't need to control everything so things don't happen i'm going to do my best and when i do my best if things don't work out i'm not going to let it take away from who i am And what it's saying is, hey, I love myself enough and I am not defined per incident, per this happened or that happened or I'm great until something happens and then I fall apart because I don't have enough foundation to support myself when something goes wrong. Because something bigger went right and that something bigger that went right is how you feel about yourself. And the way you feel about yourself turned, what is that, lemons into lemonade? Rose petals. Just like the the anonymous dream prior about music between the chapters. We're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to see that. And the first dream is on their way there. Being ourselves pays off in spades. Accepting ourselves allows us to deal with everything differently. And we are, each one of us, as we listen every day. And, you know, I get off the the show and I think, oh, my gosh, God, you know. I keep learning. During the show, there will be this nugget and that nugget, and then I want to encapsulate it and put it in a quote, and sometimes I can't even do that because it just felt so good to hear the whole story. Because truth, us, freedom. Even that worst truth, and when I say the worst truth is better than the best lie, but it is better than the best lie. Because if you were to put on a scale, truth on one side and anything else on the other, 
I can tell you which side is going to give you the greater weight every single time. Every single time. When they say that you can never say never or never say always, you can say always with the truth. You can say always with love. You can say always with purity. Truth, love, and purity. And every day we're faced with challenges that bring us to that point, that bring us to that place that says, wow, that was true. Oh, I'm so glad I know that. I can go on now. Yeah, you can go on. Because now you have enough to go on with. So thank you for your dream. I hope that helped. I have one last dream from Chris Kip Woods, and he says, I had a dream that I crashed a car and two donkeys were coming up the road with a cat on one of them. That's it. Thank you. It's like the crashing the car wasn't enough. You had to have on top of it two donkeys and on top of the donkey a cat. Because what you see as the issues in your life are bigger than life. Bigger than life. They're almost fantasy-like and how much they are bigger than life. That your problems feel bigger than you are. That no matter what you do, even though you were the one who drove the car, and the donkeys were coming up the road, and the cat was on one of them, and and you know how when you see a cartoon, and more and more and more just keeps piling up? It's like, well, if that wasn't enough, and then this, and if that wasn't enough, and then this. So it's like this fantastical feeling. Wow, I just get overwhelmed because the problems are just too big for me. They're just too big. Can I do about that? And when I hear stuff like this, the first thing I want to say is, you know what? Take one day at a time. I keep going back to that saying. I saw Lionel Richie, if anyone remembers who he is. He was on, um, not America's Got Talent. What's the other one? The, not The Voice. American Idol. So he's a judge on American Idol now. But he was a singer when I was younger. And he was on Oprah one day. And the, I just remember that show so clearly because he had finally gotten to a point of realizing who he was. He had a little scandal where his wife caught him cheating in some hotel and showed up at the hotel in his time. All of this was the tabloid news. So he's, you know, been hit with a lot and had to come to a lot of realizations in life. And so he's on Oprah when Oprah was still on. She says, Lionel, I love that song, All Night Long. Do you guys remember that song, All Night Long? You have to be older to remember it, but he's the one who sang it. And he said, oh, Oprah, honey, Oprah, honey, (laughs) All Night Long has turned into a half an hour. And they both started laughing because as we age, there's realizations that, hey, they're funny to talk about even though nobody does because we are sold that we should be on 24 hours a day when it comes to certain things. So he says that, and then she said, well, how have you dealt with life since this and since that? And, you know, you've had this fame, and you've had this marital issues, and you solved this, and how did you do all of that? And he said, Oprah, honey, and I just love how he would say that. 
But he said, I had to realize that I had to take it one bite at a time. There's a saying that how you eat an elephant, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And if we learn to take life one step at a time, think of it as one bite at a time, you will be able to sustain yourself through the process of writing a book, of loving yourself, of being yourself, and not feeling rejected for being who you are. Because if you are who you are and someone rejects the who you are, you now know that's not your person. That's your answer. If you want to try to make someone who isn't really there for you yours, then you're going to have to live the lessons to understand why you even did that. So be you so you could find someone who loves you. You guys, thank you for your dreams. They were really actually very cool dreams and and a lot of insight. I hope you take it well. I will see you tomorrow on Questions Friday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.